Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I like being a guy. I do. When you're a guy, you're not expected to know the names of more than five colors. I mean, I don't know the difference between eggshell white and linen white and ecru white and off-white. I don't know that. And I don't have to stop and think of which way to turn a nut or a bolt. I don't have to think lefty, loosey, righty, tidy. And one wallet, one pair of shoes, one color, all seasons. Same hairstyle, lasts for years, maybe decades. And the most important thing, when I hear women saying, yeah, I got my nails done, $60, I can do my nails with a pocket knife. There's just certain benefits, daily benefits to being a guy. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. The program is Call In. You are the callers. I am the callee. I get tons. That's a mixed metaphor, isn't it? Tons. Volumes of uh, e-persons asking about this guest, that guest. Can you, can you talk to this person? Can you talk to that person? You're the people I want to talk to. Always have. You can call in here to get onto the program. You don't need an HR department. You don't need an agent. All you need is a number. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call if you have a question about something in your life, some circumstance or person, place, rock, paper, scissors. Uh, If you... Don't say, ah, Ray, stop it. If you have a question about life in general, the faith, emotions, something, I get a lot of calls like that asking me to pontificate. And I have to use that word once every five days on Catholic Media, pontificate, about it. So, 877-57-EQUAL. Yesterday, we kind of poked the nest Poke the hornet's nest. Because I talked about what I thought was a controversial matter. Given that so many parents call in, and, and it isn't just on this radio program, by the way, it's everywhere. So many parents who tried to raise their children in a faithful home have watched one or more of their children shun them, write them off. Sometimes for years at a time. And I suggested, of course, considering, not my decision, but yours, considering how to handle your inheritance. you got a kid who's 40 years old and hasn't talked to you in 12 years, and you're going to give him a whole bunch of money? I don't understand that. But nevertheless, I brought that up, and immediately we got a flurry of calls. Well, something has happened 
just very recently. As a matter of fact, Teresa Tomio, my dear friend, and Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, sent me this information. I didn't know anything about it. It is absolutely one of the most frightening court adjudications that I've ever heard, if not the worst. Dr. Ray, what are you talking about? There's injustice all the time. Yes, there is. But this particular one, if it is chased, and I have no reason to believe it will not be, has opened a door that is going to ripple. Ah, no, it's not going to ripple. It's going to roar through parenting. The details are sketchy for what I read. I just read the articles. There's a young man who, in Michigan, was a school shooter. And four poor children were killed and, and several more were injured on this young man. And I, and I believe, yeah, I believe he was, a, if I get this right, sentenced. But his parents were also convicted of manslaughter. The thinking being they should have known that he was going to do this. They were pathetic parents, was the case made by the prosecutor. They were terrible, awful parents. They didn't see it coming. They should have seen it coming. They bought him a gun. He was sending off signals that he intended violence. And they and the school didn't take it as seriously as, as it turned out. Now, one might say, well, good, good. These parents need to pay more attention. They need to be better parents. All right, here's the problem with this. Who decides the line between poor parenting and absolutely pathetic parenting? How do you draw that line? I know on this program there are many of you who call in here, and you are good people from, my guess, you listen to Catholic media, and you're stunned by some of the things your kids have stumbled into. What they've done. You had no idea. And furthermore, with the internet misshaping their souls in every way but loose, the influence on their little psyches, on their conduct, on their social and emotional and moral well-being is intense. And you better not have a kid who does something horrific. Because if you do, we might just scrutinize all the ways you screwed up. And keeping in mind, it's the experts who are scrutinizing you now. I don't have a whole lot of faith in a lot of experts' ideas about parenting. I think they blow up in our faces. But they're the experts, you know, and you just didn't do it right. You didn't discipline right. You didn't supervise right. You didn't communicate right. You were just a full-out failure. And because of this, your kid did something horrific. He went to a party. And you didn't know there was going to be alcohol at that party. Nevertheless, he went there, he drank, he got in a car accident, and he killed somebody. And I had, by the way, a friend whose son did this. You responsible? Did you not supervise close enough? Oh, Dr. Ray, you're getting carried away now. Getting carried away. This family that they put on trial and they convicted has had a long history of being neglectful and unsupervising parents. Even if that's so, to say you are going to go to jail now for years because of this? 
This frightens me down to my toes. The implications of all this. Do you realize what it means? Don't mess it up, parents. Don't fail to predict something terrible your kid could do. Because somebody will come back and say, where were you? Why didn't you know? Why couldn't you anticipate it? Why couldn't you predict it? As an aside, I did a major analysis of psychologists being able to predict violence in an offender, because they are often called to testify. After a review of all the studies, you know the predictive level of psychologists? It's flipping a coin. That's right, it's 50-50. So even the people that are supposed to be able to predict this stuff aren't very good at predicting it. Someone might say, well, that's an extreme case, Dr. Ray. This kid did an unbelievably horrific, awful thing. The parents had months and years of making stupid moves, and you see what happened. Yeah, okay, let's say that's true. Do you trust the system to say, okay, well, you know, well, maybe, maybe you weren't as bad as that, but you were bad enough. I get so many parents absolutely rocked by the things their kids have done, either underneath their nose or, in fact, were caught doing it. And these are decent parents. How many parents have said to me, I can't believe what my kid did with that smartphone? Yeah. Oh, but Dr. Ray didn't kill anybody. Uh, okay, but what if? What if the parents weren't supervising the kid? And what if he drove drunk? Should they go to jail too? I I I'm of the hope that this isn't going to go anywhere, but I don't have confidence it will not because I believe it is set a frightening precedent. And one other thing while I'm at it, Who are the only ones who are really going to care? I think it's the better parents. And the better parents have a tendency to overthink and overanalyze. And all of that overthinking and overanalyzing and future projecting makes their parenting even worse. It does. You can't overthink parenting. It causes all kinds of problems. But if this makes parents overthink and parent tentatively and insecurely because they're so afraid of making mistakes that somehow, someway are going to be tied to something awful their kid does, that'll just make them be even more insecure. And more insecurity raises the odds of having kids do stuff that you don't want them to do. Oh, in every way, at every angle, this just is a frightening precedent. And I know there are people who think, no, no, those parents should be held accountable. I know law enforcement people who think that. They don't realize the implications. We already have laws on the books about abuse and neglect. And you have to establish it. How do you establish something as vague as you didn't parent well enough, you didn't supervise well enough? Oh. 
That's not possible. That's a major judgment call. And even at that, even if you make the judgment they didn't, you're going to put them in jail for it? 877-573-7825-877-57. Equal. Dr. Ray. Welcome to an Advanced Dentistry Center family. This is Dr. Metti and our team strives to treat you like family in a loving and compassionate way as we focus on serving you in a Christ-like manner. We do this by emphasizing prevention and general well-being for a lifetime. Our private practice is small, personal, state-of-the-art, and innovative with the goal to educate and motivate our patients in improving their oral health. It is through a partnership with you that you will achieve the goals for your smile. Advanced Dentistry is serious about the level of care we provide with attention to details and an exceptional level of care, skill, and judgment. We are thrilled for the opportunity to serve you. Dr. Matty and the team invite you to visit them at AdvancedDentistryCenter.com or call them at 248-594-9592. That's 248-594-9592. AdvancedDentistryCenter.com The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is literally and wholly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. St. John the Apostle records the John chapter 6 Bread of Life Discourse in which Jesus states that His flesh is true food and His blood true drink. Who better to understand John's writings and subsequent teachings than a disciple and student of John, St. Ignatius of Antioch? In his letter to the Smyrnians in 110 A.D., Ignatius writes, I have no taste for corruptible food nor for the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for drink, I desire His blood, which is love incorruptible. The Catholic Church absolutely follows St. John and St. Ignatius in taking Jesus at His word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. I just got a text from a regular listener. She sounds like she listens more than I do. She said, as if we don't already have couples not wanting to get married, let alone have kids. Those in society who decide what is and isn't good parenting are mostly unbelievers. I, I, I can accept that. They don't have a clue about what parenting entails. Dr. Ray, you just confirmed my exact fears after I heard this story. Yeah, yeah, that's... uh, hmm. Deborah from Florida. She has a comment about this. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Dr. Ray. Um, I was listening to this, and I had read that article, and I want to say first off that I... Um, agree with you that, you know, we need to be able to protect the parents. But um, I know that when we were raising our kids, this isn't really a question, it's more like a comment. My husband and I were both teachers. And the thing we said to them is, 18 is the limit, guys. When you turn 18, okay, you make decisions. Before that time, everything you do 
affects your dad and I. You know, and that, a lot of parents don't have that uh, idea. And uh, I relayed to the screener that we had a real minor incident when they were like, oh, I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade, in that because they were like three years apart. And we left them home one day after school by themselves. And they got mad at each other and decided to go my sewing basket, chase each other around. Well, Deborah, let, let me jump needles. in here. Let me jump in here, you dear, because you, you make a couple of points here that I want to address. You're absolutely correct okay. that their behavior can affect you. But simply telling them, oh, shoot, Mike, I needed you to address this. Can we get Mike to call back? Um, everything that, that you told them affects you. By telling them doesn't mean they're going to obey it. And and secondly, the point is not that it affects you, because in some way it does. The point is, does it affect you enough that if they do something horrific enough, you should go to jail? That's the question. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, the thing was, we did use that jail analogy when they were younger. Because in our mind, you know, depending upon how it played out, they could have forced us, especially, you know, since we taught school back in the day, <laughs> you know, and teachers are, you know, my husband and I believed in correct and local parentes that we are in place of parents. You, and you are, parents I, and Deborah, I agree with you 100%. I think the difference is, the major difference is, not so much that you at some level are responsible, but keep in mind, you're not the only influence. You are one influence. The other influences are the way your kids are wired, because there's a lot of really wonderful parents out there who have kids that go kaflui. And then the culture. This is not a farm in 1880 anymore. So this right. is a, a hideous, godless, misshaping soul culture that can affect so many kids. I mean, these, these, my calls are just filled. My clients are filled with parents who say, what happened, what happened, what happened? And so in that sense, it scares me that we now have a system that can say, well, we just got to decide that you weren't good enough. Now, that said, yes, you told your kids that because you're responsible parents, and, and thank God, most kids don't do those kinds of horrific things. But here's the question. There are kids who do, and they do them as minors. They do them as 16-year-olds, as 17-year-olds. They kill people. So what do we do now? Do we start looking? Did the parents give this kid a gun? And when did he give the kid a gun? And why did they give the kid a gun? And he skeet shoots and he likes to target shoot. But then he took that gun and he used it for horrible purposes. That's where I'm, I'm frightened. That's where I'm very, very frightened. Deborah, thank you so much for the call. We had Mike I appreciate from it. Oh, you're you. welcome, honey. We had Mike from Chicago call. He's a lawyer. He said there were facts in the case he wanted to comment on. And I don't doubt that, Mike. I don't doubt that the prosecutor tried to make a case that what these parents did made them accessories. They made them involved in this crime somehow, some way. And I would want to know that. Okay, they, bought, they got the kid a gun. Why'd they get him a gun? Now, again, obviously that came out in court, but I don't know because the articles don't say anything about that. All the articles say is they bought him a gun. That's it. That's all they say. Um, did they? Are they supposed to say, okay, he should not have had a gun because he's a minor, I guess? I don't know. I don't know the law. Maybe. Maybe that's the issue. But from what I understand, though, and here's what I see as a shrink, 
you can go back into somebody's parenting a couple of years and you can just find all kinds of stuff. You shouldn't have done this. You should have done that. Why didn't you not do this? Why didn't you see this? Why didn't you predict this? That's what scares me because it's so fuzzy. It is so fuzzy. There is no clear-cut line where you say, Aha! You're an accessory. You too go to jail. I know a lot of parents whose kids have murdered people. Uh, Okay, now, prior to this, there has to be evidence, hard evidence, you you oftentimes can't get a conviction in court if you don't have for if you don't have forensic evidence. We got Mike calling back. Okay, is Mike there? I, I need to know what he knows. Hey, Mike, Doctor. Okay, they're gonna put Mike on here in a second. Mike's an attorney out of Chicago. This this is Mike. You there, sir? Yes, I am. How you doing, Doctor Ray? Help me out. Well, first of all, I want to say Happy New Year. I should have called you earlier, and I didn't. So, Happy New Year. May you have a great year, and um, and uh, and I hope you had a great holiday season. Mike, can you put that in writing? Right. I want my attorney to look at it. I already wrote it up, and it's on its way to you now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Help me out here with this case. <laughs> all right. First of all, I do agree with you. I, I think we're we're really stepping on very tenuous ground. Uh, as far as getting parents involved and having them liable for what their children do. But uh, this is now setting a precedent. It happened here in Illinois also, so it's going to continue. Now, as far as the case that you were talking about, the young man was already sentenced. He had life uh, in prison with no parole. Uh, The parents, uh, the trial was uh, separated between the two of them. So the mother was convicted of manslaughter. She has not yet been sentenced. Uh, And the father is yet to go on trial. But I am assuming that the same thing will happen to him as did the mother. Um, They bought bought this. uh, Well, the mother said it was really the father more than she was. But they bought uh, the young man a gun. They brought him to the shooting range, teaching him how to shoot the gun. Uh, he was uh, pretty good at it. Um, so that, and they didn't lock the gun up. The gun up, the gun was accessible to uh, this young man uh, in the house. Uh, there was no no gun case with locks, uh, so they they had no idea whether the gun was there or not. And on the day in question, they did not even check to see it was there. Now. There's going to be some other liability, I believe, coming up uh, regarding the school and the school board. I mean, basically what happened is this young man was in school that morning, and he, he either wrote and or drew something very dark, and he has a history of doing this. The teacher was alarmed and brought him down to the principal's office. The principal, they called the parents. They both came in the morning of the shooting, by the way. Uh, they showed the parents what he did, and uh, they, the principal said, it's up to you. The young man can stay here, or you can bring him home, but I would prefer you bring him home today. And both of the parents said no because they couldn't get off from work. Um, so the kid went back to school. He had the gun, and he did his thing with the four young people. So unfortunately... Uh, there were facts in this case that were brought up that were not... Uh, a lot of bad uh, judgment, Mike. Oh, 
Mike, you can say a lot oh, of bad judgment, absolutely. terribly bad judgment. Oh, but, but that but that raises the question. You know this. That raises the question. Okay, I made a decision. It was a pathetic decision. Now, am I going to go to jail because I didn't foresee the repercussions of my decision? Stay there, Mike. Don't leave me. I want to talk to you on the other side of the break. Got a lot of calls up there, folks. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me. the bear on that one even more poking the bear than we did yesterday regarding uh, giving the inheritance to kids who have shunned you for years which we have an anonymous caller from Nebraska who wants to ask about that and hopefully I will get to her Mike you still there I'm still here doctor you know what buddy I was nervous about holding you over for that two-minute break because you gonna charge me for that yeah, that's not, that's also on the way. You're gonna get that before my written letter. Oh man, <laughs> Mike, would you summarize don't it for worry, us? Would you summarize? Don't it worry, with... I don't charge a lot. Oh, thank you. Sir. I you... believe it. I, I I believe probably what happened is they found her criminally negligent, um, and what that basically means is there was an omission to act when there is a duty to do so or a failure to perform a duty owed which leads to a death and the prosecution did present the requisite evidence which she did not refute when she testified that is which resulted in the conviction which i believe will more than likely happen with the with the father also we have a problem the problem, doctor, is you have the law, and then you have what you practice, and it doesn't always coincide side by side. But in this particular instance, based upon what I had seen and what I had read, I believe that it was the right decision for for these circumstances. That's it. So you're saying this was a trial of criminal negligence. Correct. Okay. Well, that's those laws are subheadings. Uh-huh. That's one of the subheadings of manslaughter. Okay. Where just just as a thought, has criminal negligence ever been applied to a parent? Well, I'm aware of one that happened here where the father bought the son. A gun, and he was convicted. And I did, and I do believe he spent uh, three months in jail. Um, that was a uh, the shooting here, uh, and I want to say it was like in Lake Forest at a holiday parade. Um, but I'm not aware of anything else. But I do believe that you may have more. But you got to be very careful here because. Without the requisite facts that that apply to the statute, not everybody is going to be convicted. So you just can't 
you know, you can't just charge some apparent for what they did or did not do um, without requisite specific facts, which which may have led to a death, and that's what happened here. So I do think you're going to have more, but I do think district attorneys are going to be very careful in charging people because without the requisite facts, they're not going to be doing that. And I do also believe that these will be jurors. This was a jury, and I think they will look at that also. So, yes, I do believe there may be more, but I do not think it's going to be any easier to convict anybody without the requisite facts. In this particular case, everything just lined up. Okay. But I will say this, though, Mike. You know as well as I do, if they are charged, they have to defend themselves. And even if proven innocent, according to the requisite facts, they spent $130,000 on an attorney. Well, if you can't afford an attorney, then they'll get a I know. public defender yeah. to represent them. But you know as well as uh, I do, sometimes other... public defenders are not... Uh, are not up to the task of a of a an experienced attorney. No, I know that. And the other thing that you didn't even mention is even though you go on trial, even though you're found innocent, not guilty by a jury of your peers, the problem is that doesn't wipe out which has already been in the newspapers and yep. people already accuse you of doing what you did even though you were found not guilty. Yes. Mike, thank you. I, pre- I appreciate that, and I do appreciate you helping me to to understand that there are there are particular laws on the books regarding criminal negligence, uh, and um, I'm shocked they they nailed the parents for this one. All righty, thank you, Mike. Thank well, you so very much. Call any time. I'm going to have to let you go. I got about nine folks waiting. Yes, sir. Real go ahead. quick, there's there's there is voluntary manslaughter and involuntary. Criminal is one of the subtopics of involuntary. Okay, so involuntary right. could you have a could great... result in a lesser, much lesser sentence. Uh, yes, it's less culpable, but we'll see what happens. That hasn't that part has not happened yet. righty. thanks, Mike, for the clarifications. Call anytime. Happy New Year, sir. Appreciate it. Philip from Pennsylvania has a comment on this. Now, I'm going to stick with this topic for a little bit, but there's other folks up there with other questions, too. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Doctor. Just a comment. Uh, we do live in the United States of America. Uh, rules are different uh, state to state. Um, if you look at some other countries in the world, um, family members can be held accountable for what someone in the family has done. Um, and maybe that's what's coming to the United States. I don't know. But on the other on the other side of the coin is that we as parents with our children, we have a responsibility. If they go out and do something and cause a multitude of damage to something and there's now a restitution has to be done, the parents are held liable for that. So uh, civilly you're looking at a liability question that the parents are, are culpable for, but if we're looking then on the criminal side, I guess why not? Okay, why wouldn't so it be the same? You're saying that's a a a natural outgrowth 
of holding parents civilly accountable. In other words, my kid does this, he causes $622,000 in damage, they come after me. Correct? Correct. Correct. All right. I guess the thing that frightened me most about this, and and I'm, I'm and Mike Mike helped on this. He said basically they they had to meet a certain standard of facts for something like this. It wasn't as as fuzzy as it might have appeared. Although my nervousness is about the fuzziness. You know, in in this case, even if you say it was really clear, they just they just screwed up every step of the way. Uh, <sighs> where does that leave us in parents who may not have screwed up every step of the way, but there still was a problem there. That's, that's where I was so very nervous. And I, and I, and I agree with, I agree with you that it's a scary thing. Yep. Yes. Philip, thank you. You sound like you're an attorney yourself. You know too much. Uh, no, I, no, my mother wanted me to be an attorney and I said, I wanted an honest living. Oh, jeez. I hope Mike's not listening. Hey, Philip, thank you. Sorry, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the call. All right, I'm going to get to some um, other calls related to this. Got a call on inheritance, uh, uh, a drinking problem. Um, Let's see what else we got there. Steps to make kids doing what they're supposed to do. A lot of good stuff. I just hopefully can answer it with some good stuff. I'm getting an education. I always get an education. Thanks for joining me here. This uh, anonymous caller from Nebraska. I'm going to assume that's KBSS Spirit Radio. Be heading out that way for their 25th anniversary in uh, February 24th, I believe it is, or 25th. It's a Saturday night. Love going out there. It's just a well-run, absolutely well-run network. No pictures of me anywhere in their hallways. So I'm going to bring seven or eight of them, um, put them up in, in key places. Um, but to our anonymous caller, who is probably going to kind of make some adjustments here. Hi, Mom. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine, my dear. How old is this son who has written you off? Um, 48. And from age 38, he's decided nothing to do with you anymore. Right. Ooh. What'd you do? What did you do, in his mind anyway, at age 38? Um, his wife doesn't like us. And so he's figured he's got a, he's got a, Go along with her and just avoid you too. Is it a no contact? So, is that a, it? Is is it a? We've tried to reach out to them, but they ignore us and they don't want any part of us anyway. Right, no contact. No contact, and you've tried. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. many many times. Oh, okay. So he's made it clear you are not going to be part of my life. All right. Now you got a daughter, and you say you don't see her much either. 
Right, just recently. She got upset with us. Yow. With me. I see. Well, is there anything written that says you have to leave them anything in your inheritance? No. Would you feel terrible if you didn't? At this point, no. Because the more time that goes on, the less bad you'd feel about it, huh? Right. All right. So we helped our daughter a lot. Oh, so you did already give her some of your inheritance. Yeah. Sure. I think that's always a factor to consider. If you've got a kid that you have poured a lot of money into trying to stabilize their existence, and then on top of that, they, they either didn't use it well, or they continued to remain unstable, or worse, they shut you off, uh, you've, you've kind of spent a lot of inheritance on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, now her go. her children were very close to. You know, they are. Um, well, none of them can see us. If we want to see them, we have to go see them. I see. Well, you can always <laughs> leave your money to charity. I know. I thought of that. Are you afraid? My husband that... doesn't agree. Oh, I see. So he he thinks this is a matter of difference between the two of you he thinks we should we should leave them because that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to leave stuff to your kids no matter how they treat you no matter how they act is that what he thinks right oh wow huh so if he goes first there'll be a difference (laughs) (laughs) oh oh okay i got it so they better make sure (laughs) they better make sure to protect him huh Okay. Well, my dear, if you're asking the question, do you have every right to do it? Of course you do. Of course you do. And I'm, I saw a statistic that said the biggest wealth transfer is taking place right now from those folks who have worked hard all their lives, been very responsible, and are transferring that wealth over to their grown children when they pass away. A huge wealth transfer. Trillions, trillions of wealth transfer. And the question always becomes, uh, is, is this going to help or hurt the kids? You know, you're going to have some that are so irresponsible, they're going to squander it all over the place. Or they'll use it for their own detriment. So I think all those factors now need to be taken into account in what you do with your inheritance. Personally, my wife and I uh, are leaving uh, much of it to charity. Not because our kids don't deserve it, but because we think, hey, they're 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 doing okay as adults. They're making a fine living, and uh, we're gonna put it where where it's more needed for the church. That's us. We haven't told them that because they'll probably write us off. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> thank you. Can we just leave some to the grandchildren and. Yep. You um, can do that. You like can, there's you, a lot of sure, a lot of a grandparents lot of do that. They leave it to the grandkids. Handed sure. down from generation to generation, sure. that we can just leave to the grandchildren and okay. let it go at that. You can do whatever you want. All right. Okay. Take good, take good care, my dear. This is Doctor Ray. Uh, I'm you. going to say I'll be right back, but that's kind of dumb because where am I going to go? Call now for great advice from Dr. Ray. Now, don't you feel better? A couple of weeks into the COVID-19 lockdown, I was getting anxious. 
I realized my feeling of being unsettled was more than just wanting to get out of the house. I had stopped my daily rosary and chaplet that I was doing during Lent, and I realized that it had something to do with it. I also was spending way too much time on social media, and my Chaldean temper began to flare at the news stories and commentaries as it related to keeping abortion clinics open while other businesses had to close. During a time away from the world, you can meditate. During a time of discernment, you could talk to God. Ask Him how He wants you to grow from a particular experience. Ask Him what He wants you to learn. There's so much unknown in a crisis and often throughout life. This is the time we remind ourselves that God is in control and our trust is in Him. So go ahead and ask Him, Dear Lord, what are you asking of me today? This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Danhagarmo, a communications evangelist. The Heart of the Interior Life with Elizabeth Jingle. In the sixth rule of St. Ignatius of Loyola's 14 rules for the discernment of spirits, he instructs us to extend ourselves in some suitable way of doing penance, to assist us in changing ourselves and our response to the experience of spiritual desolation. Father Timothy Gallagher writes, The penance is suitable when it counters the precise tendency to flight we feel in the spiritual desolation and permits us to act against the specific form of desolation we are undergoing. St. Ignatius is directing us to consider a suitable penance that will be an action that counters the very actions the desolation is pushing one towards. For example, if the lies of the enemy during spiritual desolation make a person feel far from God, a suitable way of doing penance could be an intentional turning to God in prayer and with trust. What suitable form of penance might you practice in spiritual desolation? For more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. I am not 24 hours from Tulsa, as the song says. I am 24 minutes from Tulsa. That's approximately the amount of time that Marie from Tulsa has stayed on the phone. So, 24 minutes from Marie. Hi, Marie. Yes. There you go. You made it 25 minutes now, since you didn't answer me when I talked. I'm sorry. How are you? I'm doing fine, dear. So, tell me, what's your, uh, what's your comment here and, and, and question? Okay, so comment and question. Um, I, too, am very concerned about, like you said, the responsibility being placed on the parents with respect to this manslaughter charge. And, um, you know, I have raised my kids and um, have probably been very lucky that people, I would say not necessarily have intervened, um, <laughs> but um, I'm a single mom and I'm fairly strict. And um, so my youngest son... I've got one who's an aerospace engineer, one who's a chemist, and then my 15-year-old, um, and he got caught vaping, and it was marijuana vaping. And um, I um, I told him, and he's got type 1 diabetes. I have two with type 1 diabetes. And I told him, I said, get your insulin, and you need to leave the house. Right now, we're not doing this. This is not happening in my house. And, of course, 30 minutes after it, um, I was, you know, losing my mind because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just kicked him out of the house. But... He's only he's the only one of the kids in his group who is not vaping anymore, who's not doing anything anymore. So I don't feel um, like I did the wrong thing. But there are a lot of people who would say that I was too harsh. And so I'm interested in your thoughts. Well, yeah, given the, the, the legal environment that we're now in, uh, yes, if he would have done something or if he would have gotten hurt 
or something. Or died. You, or died you, because or of died. diabetes. Or yeah. died. You, you could have yeah. been held. You could have been held liable if somebody wanted to come after you. If the if the system said, okay, he was a minor. I'll give you a small example on this. I had I got called by Children's Services. This was some years ago. When a mother called me and her 16-year-old son was was just nasty. This kid was this kid was threatening. He was hurting. He he was all kinds of things. And I said, well, put him in the backyard with his with his sleeping bag because he was a camper. He loved to camp. I said, put him in the backyard and lock your door. Well, I got a call about an hour later from Protective Services. Somebody apparently had seen this kid. Sleeping outside, I think it was overnight, mm-hmm. and they they reported mom, and mom said she had talked to me, and the, and I I had her as a client, so I could say this. The ch- children's service called me, and and started to rake me over the coals. Mm-hmm. At which point I said, "Wait, this kid is fifty pounds heavier than his mom. She had a couple options. She could have called the cops." Or she wanted to defuse the situation. It was not cold. He was a camper. He'd spent many nights in his sleeping bag camping. Yes. Then they backed off. But but see what happened? I mean, they they came after me. Like, how dare you say that? So yep. that's that's the scary part, which is if it's no longer... Now, in this case, yes. As Mike explained, she could have met the statutes of criminal negligence. But... Sure. Unfortunately, the thing that frightens me is that if you don't parent like someone in authority thinks you should have parented, and God forbid something horrible happened, oh, well, you you better defend yourself. I, I had a mom come into my office. She was she was just frightened to death. She was terrified because children's services had come and threatened to take her children. I said, why? She said, well. I was I was I was swimming with my three young children. They were preschoolers, and the baby, year old, was crying and wouldn't stop crying, and I couldn't comfort the baby. Somebody reported me to Children's Services. I asked why. They said that my baby had clothes that were too dark for the sunny weather, and the darkness was absorbing the heat. Heat, yeah, yeah. Now, okay, so you could say, well, yeah, you maybe maybe think about that, but to get investigated because yeah. somebody turned her in because the kid was wearing darker than allowable clothes on a sunny day—that's what I mean. That's the kind of stuff I've seen as a clinician. I saw a parent turned well, in once because they because grandma thought that the child stood too long in the corner. And it was well, like ten not minutes. Not only, not only, not, and not only that, Dr. Wright, but, but, you know, I mean, my oldest is 26, my middle one is 23, the youngest one who, you know, I mean, I've got two with type 1 diabetes. I mean, I feel like 100%, you know, with, with you know, God's guidance, I know how to parent. And for someone to come take that away from me um, is is just incomprehensible. Right. I mean, incomprehensible. And and so I feel so bad for these parents who this happens with because we have to be able to make decisions to say this is what this child needs and I'm never going to put them in harm. But at the same time, I have to parent. That's, you know, so. And I, I feel like that's what you're coming from. 
Well, I'm coming from, Marie, I can't comment specifically on the case. Because, like as Mike pointed out, I, I don't know the particular legalities. What I can comment on is the frightening aspect of we, whoever we is, have scrutinized your parenting and decided it was deficient. And because it was deficient, here's what happened. And we will make a case to hold you accountable. That's what scares me. Now, we had our other caller who called in, and he was talking about already this being the case in Europe, where family members can be held accountable. But I don't know exactly what the legalities are on that. When he said family members, does that mean adult to adult? Does that mean, I don't know exactly what that means. So, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I would never put um, parents' rights necessarily, like, not equal to children's rights because everybody deserves to be respected. But at the same time, we do have guidance and we do have things that we can impart to our children. If we're not allowed to do that, then this is a totally broken society. Well, parents do have more authority than kids. And that's the way it is. Yeah. Of course it's that way. And and I know parents, I come on, I deal with thousands of parents, and yeah, they make, we, me included, make all kinds of stupid decisions. Now, someone might say, well, you're not going to go to court, you're not going to get in trouble for stupid decisions. This lady was clearly involved in legalities that would make her culpable. Okay. Yeah. But the question then becomes, I mean, I had a friend whose son went to a party, drove drunk, and killed somebody. Now, is this father accountable? And, you know, how much did he know about the party? Did he give the kid permission to go to the party? Did he know there was going to be alcohol at the party? Did he say, I don't care? Or was huh? there a lie? Was there a lie told by the child? Which is very possible, right? Sure, of course. <laughs> You know, I mean, so, so, so many, so many variables, you know, yep. so. All righty. Thank you, Marie. Okay, thank, thank you, thank you, for you the so much. In. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're, okay, bye-bye. You are welcome. Well, two shows in a row where I poked a hornet's nest. One on why do we feel obliged to leave all kinds of inheritance to our kids, especially those who have turned away from us. Because in their mind, we were just not good enough parents, or that we are religious and they don't like that, or we disagree with them on politics, or whatever it is that they've decided, nah, nah, you're no longer part of my life. Well, that's a decision they made. Am I going to pay you for that? <laughs> like my grandfather would have said, Raymond, they pay you for talking? Yeah, they do. Thanks so much for joining me. Andrew Kruchek, producer man, Eric Dumont, call screamer man, and you, audience people. Thanks for the company. Walk with God. Hold your kids tight if you got them by the hand. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.